They took 10 different compounded products that they got from, from laboratories in North America, analyzed them as freshly made product, and then they looked at them as a percentage of potency. So they should be 100% potency when it's, when it's initially made mm-hmm. uh, and initially tested. So of the 10, none of them, and I say none of them, were within uh, 80% of potency. There was one that was at 5% potency. The vast majority were at 30 to 40% potency. So if they're supposed to be at a certain strength that says on their label that you think you're getting, think again. Hey guys, welcome back to Riding to Excellence. Today we are joined with the Western Canadian Equine Technical Services Vet of Bowringer Ingelheim, Dr. Doug Myers, to talk the complicated topic of ulcers and ways to tackle them. Welcome to the podcast, Dr. Myers. Thank you. It's good to be here, Louisa. We actually had Dr. Myers out for the Ulcers and Equine Athlete event a couple months ago. Um, many of you attended and we asked him if he wanted to be on the podcast. I think this is his first podcast, but we're going to do a good job today. <laughs> well, we'll see. So before we get into the bulk of the podcast, tell us a little bit about Bullringer Ingelheim, the company that you work for, who they are, and kind of what your role looks like within that company. So Bowringer Ingelheim, it's always been a mouthful to uh, say that word and it's and it's tough to spell as well, but... It's the Bowringer family, which is their last name, from Ingelheim, Germany, which is just outside of Frankfurt. So they've been around since the late 1800s. They're a private pharmaceutical company on the human and the animal health side. They're the world's only large private pharmaceutical company. Um, I'm with the equine uh, division. We also have a, uh, a dog, cat, swine, and uh, poultry division in Canada. Uh, but uh, one of the unique things about Boringer is they've got an exclusive equine division. They're not tied in with anybody else, so they've got their own research and development group, they've got their own sales and marketing, and then we've got our own technical services group, of which I'm one of two in Canada. I have a counterpart in Quebec, but I look after Western Canada. So what, like in the kind of clinical side of things, we we see a lot of technical services vets, but for the public, they might not know what that is. So what is a technical services vet? Yeah, so you wear, it's like, I guess like any job, you have multi different hats you wear. I, uh, I speak at a lot of different uh, events similar to what you guys was the other day. So the veterinarians will have me in and uh, I'll often speak on a topic of their choice. So I've done some lately on West Nile virus vaccinations. I've got one that's got nothing at all to do with our company, but it's an interesting talk on uh, um, emergency medicine and horses. Um, I train sales reps. I do some research projects. I do complaint investigations. I write some articles from some of the interesting conferences and meetings I go to and try to distill that down into a short one or two page paper that the veterinarians and the animal health technicians can use. And then they will pass that information on to their, uh, to the horse owners. So it's an interesting job. You have a lot of different, uh, a lot of different things and you're, you're always learning, which is something I really enjoy. Yeah, totally. That's really cool. I think that's great. So Moving into the bulk of the podcast, ulcers, one of the main factors in decreased performance in the equine athlete is ulcers. We see it here at the clinic all the time. And I know that it's a pretty meaty topic, especially to talk about and not have, you know, imagery in front of us, but let's kind of try to delve into it today. What exactly are ulcers and how are our horses getting ulcers? Yeah, ulcers are, as most of your listeners will know, are certainly a very serious and, uh, commonly diagnosed problem of performance horses. They're not seeing very often at all in just in ranch horses. And part of that would be they're not looked at, but also some of the studies that have looked at them, they've been a very low, at a very low incidence. So there's, 
As with most syndromes or diseases, it's multifactorial. Uh, probably some of the biggest ones with performance horses is the change in nutrition they're on, i.e. they're not eating, they're not out on grass, most of those horses, and, and, uh, and grazing anywhere from you know 12 to 16 hours a day. Uh, they're often on a high grain or high concentrate diet. Um, these horses are athletes, and so they're pushed. Uh, their performance is pushed. They're, they're ridden a lot. They're uh, in the company of a lot of different other horses. They're trailered a lot. And so it's just a whole high, you know, they talk about stressors. There's a lot of high stressors involved in gastric ulcers in horses. Mm-hmm. So how does an ulcer come to be in a horse? Well, there's two different parts of the stomach. So unlike the human stomach where there's really only one sort of lining, uh, horses have uh, are unique in that they have an upper portion called the uh, squamous mucosa and the lower portion called the glandular. And then there's a band, a white band in between the two called the margo placatus. Um, there's different types of ulcers get in different a- areas. Um, the squamous ulcers are typically um, probably more common. They see a lot of those down around the margo placatus area. Um, and they they're generally easier to heal and, uh, and easier to deal with. Uh, the glandular ulcers down at the lower portion of the stomach uh, often require longer-term therapy. They often may require uh, additional therapy beyond just um, uh, omeprazole. And uh, so you really, to diagnose which kind of ones you have precisely, uh, that's one of the benefits of having a gastric scope like, like you folks have. Mm-hmm. And so what can ulcers cause in our horses? There's a lot of different performance uh, and behavioral issues I guess most people uh, recognize or see in their horse. Uh, it can be anything from a horse being cinchy when they're, when they're starting to get uh, tacked up. Uh, behavior issues, they just start acting kind of grumpy and they don't want to respond to the bit or respond to the leg like they did before. Um, if it's a barrel horse, you know, your times may be off. It's a, if it's a jumping horse, they're not jumping as high. If it's a race horse, they're not running as fast. So there's a lot of different uh, issues like that. The owners may also notice the horses aren't eating all their all their uh, meal as readily as they as they do. The odd horse sometimes gets a bit of a loose stool as well. But um, there's a lot of little I guess little subtle nuances that sometimes in you know an astute horse owner will just realize that gee this horse isn't the the same horse it was a few months back. Mm-hmm. So to break it down like super super simply because I think you know myself included I've probably said before oh that horse maybe has ulcers. But what is an ulcer? Like when you're looking at that stomach, how does it become formed and what is it in the stomach? So an ulcer is just, you know, it's a, it's a medical term for an erosion. So it would be similar if you took, a, a, you know, a gouge out of a piece of your skin and you looked and you saw that, you know, you had an erosion the size of a penny up to a, you know, a, uh, a loony or something like that. And so it's, 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 it's ate through the lining of the, of the normal um, skin protective me- mechanisms. So yeah, the squamous area up at the top of the stomach has no uh, secretory function. And so if you erode that, uh, that squamous uh, cells and some lining of the cells there, then you'll see a raw, a raw uh, erosion uh, through the so skin. So it's almost like a, a big stomach sore, really. Yeah, yeah it is. is almost looks it like a bite's been taken out of that. Yeah. Almost like the mouse has been eating, eating at the cheese to make a simple analogy. And so what is, aside from the fact that it's been eroded, which sounds painful in and of itself, but what is causing the pain? Is it the stomach acid kind of coming through that area or? Yeah. So then the, you know, I guess we take a lot of that information is from people with ulcers and we assume, well, horses probably feel a similar sort of pain. And so it's the, 
hydrochloric acid in the stomach that's splashing up then and getting on that raw skin. So again, an analogy to humans would be if you had a, a sore and you poured uh, alcohol on that, that burning sensation that you get all of a sudden. Mm-hmm. Uh, the hydrochloric acid in the stomach is there. It's, it's produced by the glandular portion and it's there to break down food components. Uh, in a normal healthy stomach, that, gl- that acid isn't being exposed to the, to the raw uh, portion of the stomach. But once you've got an erosion slash ulcer there, that acid is splashing around and it causes quite a bit of discomfort depending on A, the size of the ulcers and B, the number of them and their location. Yeah, I mean, it sounds painful. <laughs> just, yes. just talking about it sounds painful. And so how can ulcers be diagnosed in horses? You mentioned gas, uh, gastroscopes, and, but I've heard everything from like hair being sent away to skin tests. So kind of what's the definitive way to determine if your horse has ulcers? Yeah, there's only one, um, you know, peer reviewed, uh, agreed upon way to diagnose ulcers hundred percent. And that would be to, uh, use a three meter gastroscope. So they're pretty long. I mean, it's a long way from a horse's, uh, you insert them through their nose that go, goes into the back of the throat through the pharynx, larynx, and then down the esophagus and into the stomach. And then it's got to go all the way through the stomach. And you want to look at the at the top of the stomach, the middle, and the end of the stomach where it enters into the small intestine, which is called the duodenum. So I saw scoping being done here the other day. And you had that nine meter scope buried right up to the hub. I mean, there wasn't an inch of it, an inch of it left. So for a big horse, for sure, you need that. The horses have to be starved out for preferably 18 hours ahead of time. And lots of times they have to have a grazing muzzle on because if some horses start... Uh, eating their feces, um, it just makes it really tough to see. You want a nice empty stomach so that uh, you can really uh, see the stomach see wall. The, stomach wall. Um, the scopes have uh, a function where they can blow air into the stomach and inflate it so you can see better. Um, and then they also have a function where they uh, can uh, can squirt water and you can wash off the, um, if there's any feed that's or ingesta that's stuck to the inside lining of the stomach, you can wash that off so you can visualize the ulcers very well. There's also uh, camera capabilities so they can do a video and or still pictures so you can have a look at those, see them, measure them, count them. So it's a very, uh, uh, you know, involved uh, yet simple way to, uh, to uh, diagnose ulcers if the veterinary clinic has a scope. Mm-hmm. If they don't, you're just going on clinical signs. You're going on, gee, I think that this is, let's try this but you really don't know which location they're in because I said earlier, some of them are treated different depending on their squamous or their glandular. And then you really don't know if they're healing over the period of time from when you start to you end. Mm-hmm. And actually we had Dr. Uh, Jean Yin Tan from the University of Calgary in um, an internal medicine specialist to consult on our scoping days. And she had actually mentioned um, beforehand when we send out our fasting protocols just to tell clients like, hey, just remember, don't put hay in the trailer because it's something so, you know, you just do it all the time that she says that very regularly, you know, they'll have fasted the horse appropriately for 18 hours, they'll have no food, and then they'll hop it in a trailer with hay. And then when it comes, and we did have an incidence of that where then you have to lavage and it's quite an intensive process to try to get a good good image of that stomach because there is hay in the stomach or food traces. Yeah, and if it's, if it's, if they've ate enough, I mean, you basically just, ruin the day you can't get them scoped so mm-hmm. you know you've starved your horse out for maybe 17 of <laughs> the 18 fun. hours but the last seven, last hour everything went uh, went sideways on you so yeah for sure and and no straw in there some horses start even 
get eating their shavings. So I know some clinics who just prefer to bring the horses in. So mm-hmm. they've got that horse under their control and can manage it and make sure that, uh, you know, mm-hmm. it's, it's looked after, but then you can get a really nice clean scope the next day. Yeah. And really the process doesn't take very long. We book about an hour an appointment and you're kind of in and out pretty quickly. It, it sounds labor intensive and it can be, but it's pretty easy all said and done. Yep. No, you sedate the horse, um, and they'll put the horse in a set of stocks and, uh, uh, most horses, you know, accept the passing. It's just like passing a stomach tube in the old days when we used to deworm them. They just, you, uh, pass that scope. You've got to be very careful cause it's worth multiple thousand dollars. And so, you, you know, you gotta be very careful with that. And, and, uh, but it is, uh, for, for most veterinarians that do scoping, it's what's, it's a routine procedure. For yeah. Sure. And so, you know, you brought your horse in, they've determined that your horse has ulcers through the scope. How are ulcers treated in horses? Well, there's only one um, Health Canada approved treatment. Uh, it's an omeprazole product uh, that comes as a paste syringe, and it's labeled for uh, four milligrams per kilogram uh, once a day for 28 days. So for for a, a, you know your 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 typical 1,100 pound horse, that's one tube of this product uh, a day for 28 days. And in the studies, they've shown that uh, 90% plus uh, of the squamous ulcers will be healed with that. Uh, gastric ulcers are, are lower than that. Um, and some of those horses, you know, require an additional, some additional therapeutic products that the veterinarians will prescribe. And some of them require a longer period of time. But yeah, the uh, Health Canada approved omeprazole is the only product that, uh, that that works. There's been, there's some other compounded omeprazoles um, that uh, there's been no studies at all that show they work. Um one of the benefits of the of the approved product is it's uh, designed so it can get through the acid of the stomach. A lot of people think this drug is actually acts locally on the on the ulcer of the stomach, much like I use the analogy of tums for people. Mm-hmm. It doesn't. This product is absorbed in the small intestine, so it has to get out of the stomach, intact, absorbed out of the small intestine into the blood, and then it works on. Uh, some proton pumps, they're called sodium potassium proton pumps that, that make acid basically. So they're little acid making pumps in the stomach, but that has to get affected by, by this drug getting through the bloodstream and then attacking the cells that way. So it's not a local effect at all. Oh, so, interesting. So if you're using a compounded product that is an af- acid buffered, which none of them are, basically most of that product is neutralized once it's in the stomach. So there's, there's no hope it can help the horse. Mm-hmm. You're just spending money basically. Yeah. For your horse to swallow it. <laughs> and I've been around numerous veterinarians that have had uh, scopes. These horses get put on a compounded product to begin with. Um, they get them, the owners come back in a month and say, you know, my horse just doesn't seem like it's responding. Doesn't He still seems the same. They'll get them scoped at that point. And most of those horses, if not all of them, still have the same ulcers present. Mm-hmm. I'm literally picturing like the magic school bus show when you're talking about the acid pumps. But yeah. when you're talking about that, this Health Canada approved omeprazole. So does it reduce the stomach acid by turning off the pumps? Or? It stops it. Yeah. Oh, but then so it stops new, that splash. It stops. Yeah. So there's no hydrochloric acid being produced out of those pumps. Oh, okay. So the stomach's allowed, can heal itself. In the normal healthy stomach, there's a nice mucus layer there. Right. But that that acid just kind of eats it away. And so by, if you can sh- shut that pump down, you know, for about 28 days, allow the stomach to heal, allow them to get that nice mucus slime layer go- going again there, then hopefully the problem is resolved and, mm-hmm. and you're away to the races. So is there any um, negative, like if, like you said, some, some ulcers are not 
healed after the 28 day period, although many are, are there any negative indications of keeping a horse on this product longer? No, it just gets costly for sure. After, you know, if, yeah. you have to, if you have to treat for another for another month. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's interesting. So you you know you had kind of mentioned it and you shared that at our last lecture that research recent research was published on horse populations in omeprazole. So can you shed a little bit more light on that? Is that just what you were talking about with the compounded forms? Yeah. So the Canadian Veterinary Medical Association has come out with a a treatment protocol of how they'd like veterinarians to use drugs, and at the top of them is licensed labeled products. So like the, this licensed labeled uh, omeprazole product. And then it goes all the way down to, to different, uh, so it could be a licensed product that might be used off label in a horse. So an example of that would be a, let's say it was a drug that was approved for, uh, um, for non-pregnant animals, non-pregnant horses, but you decided to use that in your pregnant mare. Mm-hmm. That's still an approved label. drug, but it's off label. It's yeah. still an approved drug for horses, but it's off label. So wait, so at the very top is an approved drug for that indication for that species of animals and that and that age and sex at the bottom of the table is compounded products made from unapproved drugs and that's where these generic or that's where these compounded omeprazole products are at they're at the very bottom of where the canadian veterinary medical association says veterinarians should be prescribing these products because there's just no um there is no uh, oversight on those products Anybody could make those. They're, they don't have to be licensed. They're not approved. They could be made literally in somebody's bathtub, put your stamp on them, and out the door. So you don't know at what level or what potency that's in. There's no stability data on that. There's no safety data on that. And there's no efficacy data on that. So you really are, compounded products are not generic products. Generic products are products that have been approved. They're just a knockoff the original, but they've been approved. They've been tested. They've right. been stamped by Health Canada. Mm-hmm. Compounded products are the complete opposite. Anybody could make up a compounded product and sell it, and you're really taking your horse's health uh, into question, I guess, if you use those, I would argue. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, and I, yeah, I had never kind of heard that be described before you were talking about it at the recent um, lecture. And like Dr. Hewlett had said, you know, in the last few years especially, we've completely strayed away from those products just because of the efficacy. And then obviously, like you said, they, they're, they just don't work. So people are just spending money and it might be cheaper at the time, but if it's not working, it's a waste of money completely. Yeah. So when you talk about the difference in the health Canada approved omeprazole and the compounded omeprazole kind of what, what, what is, what is the difference? Like you said that omeprazole, the compounded omeprazole just sits in the stomach. So what makes this health Canada approved omeprazole different? Yeah, so the, as I said, the big difference is, is that it's formulated so it resists the acid effects of the stomach. So it can, it can sneak through the stomach. And I use the analogy, it's like an army trying to sneak, sneak past a hostile army. They kind of have to get on their hands and knees and crawl by. That's what the, that's what the Health Canada approved product does. It gets through the hostile acid environment of the stomach and gets absorbed out of the small intestine into the blood so it can work. Contrast that to the compounded product it isn't buffered, so when it gets exposed to the acid in the stomach, it's neutralized. The acid basically neutralizes the compounded omeprazole, and that's why study after study show it doesn't work. Some other um, factors with compounded omeprazole, and this was reported at the American Association of Equine Practitioners back in 2011 uh, by the University of California Davis researchers. They took 10 different compounded products that they got from, from laboratories in North America, analyzed them as freshly made product and then they looked at them as a percentage of potency so they should be 100 percent potency when it's when it's 
initially made mm-hmm. uh, and initially tested. So of the 10, none of them, and I say none of them, were within uh, 80% of potency. There was one that was at 5% potency. The vast majority were at 30 to 40% potency. So if they're supposed to be at a certain strength that says on their label that you think you're getting, think again. That's crazy. Yeah. So again, it goes to the fact that there's nobody... Policing them. Policing them, yeah. Yeah. Wow, that is that is a, a pretty insane statistic. Like 5% of freshly made product, one of the products. So it basically... I don't know what they were doing, but they forgot to put any product in. That's crazy. And so you're paying money for that. Suspension. You don't know that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, you don't know that. The veterinarian doesn't know that. There's no magic shoot side test you can do to test the potency of your product. So you really are... Just gambling. Yeah. Riverboat gambling, for sure. That's crazy. It's better just to not do anything. Yeah. So aside from medication, what are some dietary modifications that you can do for a horse that's um, dealing with ulcers? You kind of mentioned hay and feed and... Yeah, nutrition is really important too because, you know, like the, the horses that are out grazing, they'll eat, you know, 16 to 20 hours a day. And when horses are eating, they're continually salivating and, and the saliva uh, really buffers the pH of the stomach. So it can change it from an acidic environment, which is a bad environment, a hostile environment, to, and it'll change it to more of a basic. So it, it raises the pH uh, with all this saliva. Horses that aren't eating like that all the time, which is most of the horses now that we've, you know, we've put into our stall or, or our stable, um, they're not salivating all the time and they're not swallowing that saliva. So the stomach naturally gets, naturally gets more acidic. So, you know, they recommend if you can, I think these slow hay feeders are a really good thing for a lot of these horses. Um, if you can, if you don't have those, or if you could even, if your horse is, uh, you've got the ability to feed your horse three to four times a day, some smaller meals, uh, that will, that will certainly help, um, Try to keep your grain. Obviously, if your horses are competing hard down the road, they're going to be on some grain. But just recognize that the more concentrate, the more grain these on increases the risk of of ulcers in some of these horses. But I think one of the big things are these slow hay nets. I think they could be a real advantage for mm-hmm. for feeding the horses that are at risk of having having ulcers. Mm-hmm. And as a, a quick sidebar, we actually had a question come through about slow hay nets. Now with the prevalence, people are saying that they're affecting the jaw and like the wear patterns on teeth. But as far as we can find, there's no no studies on that. So it's a little bit more of a wives tale at this point. I'm sure those studies will come out in the future, but we have not seen it ourselves. Yeah. And there's still a relatively new phenomena here. Like yeah. Five years or less. Yeah. For- I, I mean... From just like a, a cost-saving measure as well, I think they're brilliant. They're clean. You can throw them from the trailer to the stall to your barn. It's They're awesome, personally. Like just from showing, I like them. So Yeah, no, I agree. And then their Bowringer does offer an over-the-counter product called Pronutrin, which also can aid in this whole ulcer treatment. So kind of shine a little bit of light on what Pronutrin is. Okay, so it's called Equitop Pronutrin. And it is a uh, nutraceutical that uh, has been produced over in the, uh, Europe for a number of years. Uh, Bowringer has marketed it and sold it for uh, probably 10 plus years in a lot of the European countries in the United Kingdom. Uh, it's a pectin lethicin. It actually smells a lot like uh, um, apples when you smell it. It's made with some apple and some uh, vegetable fiber. You feed a couple of scoops a day to a horse, and it actually looks like little pellets, almost like little alfalfa pellets, uh, something a rabbit would like to eat. 
when the horse eats that, it dissolves in the stomach and it forms that mucus slime layer that I talked about earlier that's okay. really beneficial in trying to keep acid from splashing around, especially up to the squamous area. And so uh, this is a product that's not designed as a treatment and there's no label, there's no efficacy studies for stomach ulcers, but there are some projects from Europe they looked at where they used it in horses that either did have stomach ulcers, were treated with the Health Canada approved product, improved, and then they put them on Equitop Pronutrin, uh, just trying to uh, prevent them in the future because if you can have this mucus slime layer there, as I said, it prevents the acid. So we've had a number of horses go on it um, as that, and I guess other people are using it as a preventative too. So if you have a horse that you just know is in a high risk environment, uh, going down the road with you, and let's say you've had history with maybe some past horses or your past horse getting ulcers, we have some people using this product just trying to mitigate or prevent ulcers from from occurring. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's interesting. And then my last question is, a lot of people are using this Health Canada approved omeprazole kind of as a maintenance or preventative. You hear a lot of people say that they feed half tube or a quarter tube, but I know the recommendation for a horse with ulcers is 28 days straight. So what is kind of the Bowringer stance on the maintenance and preventative? Well, there's been a lot of different, you know, not necessarily work that's done by Boringer, but there's been work done by a lot of different, you know, internal medicine people like Dr. Gene Yintan and Dr. Ashley Whitehead, who we're really lucky to have here at UCVM, um, where they will go with a half dose of that product. So two milligrams per kilogram as a maintenance. And, uh, and uh, we have some people on that. There's also, there's a product in the States um, that is a one milligram per kilogram uh, approved product. And so, and, and that is approved as a preventative. And so there's data out there in the scientific literature that, uh, you know, the Health Canada approved product at one milligram per kilogram is a preventative for, for ulcers, not mm-hmm. a treatment, but a preventative. Yeah. So if you're, if you have a horse that you feel is it, like you said, with the pronutrient is in an environment where they could get ulcers or they're in a show environment, you could use that as a preventative measure as yeah. well. I think one of the big things is to get, you know, just, and this is all part of the process is, is get educated, read as much as you can. Um, and certainly talk to your vet clinic about getting a game plan going as to your horse. You know your horse, the past history, what you're going to be doing with it, what your summer season looks like. And so sit down with them, book an appointment in or talk to them over the phone and uh, get a game plan for you and your horse together as to what you're going to do to try to stave off or prevent or treat or whatever you have to do. Uh, for your horse that may be at risk or does have ulcers. Yeah, that's a great point. Instead of just buying products and, you know, purchasing medication without getting treatment or, you know, having the scope done or whatever, obviously there's cost preventatives for a lot of people, but if you can build the most intelligent game plan, you're going to, you're going to, you know, save money going down the road farther. Yeah. I mean, there's some products that's like that just for us. There's some products that have got very good data and very good uh, back up behind him and I think you can have confidence in it and then there's other products that are you know a little fly by the seat of your pants I'd call them and uh, they may work they may not work and uh, there's really no there's really no uh, good science behind them mm-hmm. all right Doug well I think we've covered a lot on ulcers today and the different products and medications that people can use so I think that's all the questions I have unless there's anything else you'd like to add no that was uh it was good. I enjoyed it. I told you I was going to be a little nervous doing this. I'm a podcast rookie, but... Uh, See, it's not that hard. People think it's a lot harder, but it's literally just sitting and having a conversation with me about all sorts. Yeah, no, you do a good job in uh, kind of leading it, so congratulations. Well, thanks, Doug, and thanks for coming on the podcast today. We appreciate it. All right, thank you, folks. Thank you.